Standby for Places presents Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare, directed by Frida Matea. Sound design by Graydon Gunt, Palomarinos, and Frida Matea. I learn in this letter that Don Pedro of Aragon comes this night to Messina. He is very near by this. He was not three leagues off when I left him. How many gentlemen have you lost in this action? But few of any sort and none of name. A victory is twice itself when the achiever brings home full numbers. I find here that Don Pedro hath bestowed much honor on a young Florentine called Claudio. Much deserved on his part, he hath borne himself beyond the promise of his age, doing in the figure of a lamb the feats of a lion. He hath indeed better bettered expectation than you must expect of me to tell you how. He hath an uncle here in Messina, will be very much glad of it. I have already delivered him letters, and there appears much joy in him, even so much that joy could not show itself modest enough without a badge of bitterness. Did he break out into tears? In great measure. I pray you, is Signor Mantento returned from the wars or no? I know none of that name, lady. There was none such in the army of any sort. My cousin means Signor Benedict of Padua. Oh! He's returned, and as pleasant as ever he was. Ah, uh, he set up his bills here in Messina and challenged Cupid at the flight. I pray you, how many hath he killed and eaten in these wars? But how many hath he killed? For indeed, I promised to eat all of his killings. Faith, niece, you tax Signor Benedict too much, but he'll be meet with you, I doubt it not. He hath done a good service, lady, in these wars. And a good soldier, too, lady. And a good soldier to a lady, but what is he to a lord? A lord to a lord, a man to a man, stuffed with all honorable virtues. It is so indeed. He is no less than a stuffed man, but for the stuffing, well, we are all mortal. You must not, sir, mistake my niece. There is a kind of war betwixt Signor Benedict and her. They never meet, but there's a skirmish of wit between them. Alas, he gets nothing by that. In our last conflict, four of his five wits went halting off, and now is the whole man governed with one, so that if you have wit enough to keep himself warm, let him bear it for a difference between himself and his horse, for it is all the wealth that he hath left to be known a reasonable creature. Who is his companion now? He hath every month a new sworn brother. Is it possible? Very easily possible. He wears his faith, but as the fashion of his hat, it ever changes with the next block. I see, lady, the gentleman is not in your books. No, anywhere I would burn my study. But I pray you, who is his companion? Is there no young squire now that will make a voyage with him to the devil? He is most in the company of the right noble Claudio. <laughs> oh, Lord. You will hang upon him like a disease. He is sooner caught than the pestilence, and the taker runs presently mad. God help the noble Claudio. If you have caught the Benedict, it will cost him a thousand pound ere you be cured. I will hold friends with you, lady. Do, good friend. You will never run mad, niece. No, not till a hot January. Don Pedro is approached. Good Signor Leonardo. You are come to meet your trouble. The fashion of the world is to avoid cause, and you encounter it. Never came trouble to my house in the likeness of your grace. For trouble being gone, comfort should remain. But when you depart from me, sorrow abides, and happiness takes his leave. You embrace your charge too willingly. I think this is your daughter. Her mother hath many times told me so. Were you in doubt, sir, that you asked her? Senor Benedict, no, for then you were a child. You have it full, Benedict. We may guess by this what you are, being a man, truly. 
The lady fathers herself. Be happy, lady. You are like an honorable father. If Signor Leonardo be her father, she would not have his head on her shoulders for all Messina, as like him as she is. I wonder that you will still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What? My dear Lady Disdain, are you yet living? Is it possible Disdain should die while she hath such meat food defeated as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must convert to disdain if you come in her presence. Well, then is courtesy a turncoat? But it is certain I am loved of all ladies, only you accepted. <laughs> and I would, I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart, mm. for truly mm. I love none. A dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God and my cold blood. I'm of your humor for that. I'd rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. God keep your ladyship still in that mind. So some gentleman or other shall scape a predestinate scratched face. Scratching could not make it worse than twere such a face as yours were. Oh, well, you are a rare parrot teacher. A bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours. I would my horse had the speed of your tongue and so good a continuer. But mm. keep your way. In God's name, I have done. You always end with a jade's trick, I know you of old. That is the sum of all, Leonato. Signor Claudio and Signor Benedict, my dear friend Leonato hath invited you all. I tell him we shall stay here at least a month, and he hardly prays some occasion may detain us longer. I dare swear he is no hypocrite, but prays from his heart. If you swear, my lord, you shall not be forsworn. Let me bid you welcome, my lord. Being reconciled to the prince, your brother, I owe you all duty. Uh, thank you. I am not of many words, but I thank you. Please it your grace, lead on. Your hand, Leonato. We will go together. Benedict, didst thou note the daughter of Signor Leonato? I noted her not, but I looked on her. Is she not a modest young lady? Do you question me as an honest man should do for my simple, true judgment? Or would you have me speak after my custom as being a professed tyrant to their sex? No, I pray thee speak in sober judgment. <sighs> Why, faith, methinks she's too low for a high praise, too brown for a fair praise, and too little for a great praise. Only this commendation I can afford her, that were she other than she is, she were unhandsome. And being no other but as she is, I do not like her. Thou thinkest I am in sport. I pray thee, tell me truly how thou likest her. <laughs> Would you buy her that you inquire after her? Can the world buy such a jewel? Yea, and a case to put it into. But speak you this with a sad brow? Or do you play the flouting jack to tell us Cupid is a good hair finder and Vulcan a rare carpenter? Come, and what key shall a man take you to go in the song? In mine eyes, she is the sweetest lady that ever I looked on. I can see yet without spectacles, and I see no such matter. There's her cousin, and she were not possessed with a fury, exceeds her as much in beauty as the first of May doth the last of December. But I hope you have no intent to turn husband, have you? I would scarce trust myself though I had sworn the contrary, if Hero would be my wife. Is it come to this? 
In faith, hath not the world one man, but he will wear his cap with suspicion? Shall I never see a bachelor of threescore again? Go to, faith, and thou wilt needs thrust thy neck into a yoke. Wear the print of it and sigh away Sundays. Look, Don Pedro is returned to seek you. What secret hath held you here that followed you not to Leonardo's? I would your grace would constrain me to tell. I charge thee only on thy allegiance. You hear, Count Claudio? I can be secret as a dumb man. I would have you think so, but on my allegiance, mark you this, on my allegiance, he is in love. With who? Now that is your grace's part. Mark how short his answer is. With Hero, Leonardo's short daughter. If this were so, so worried it utter it. Like the old tale, my lord, it is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid it should be so. My passion changed not shortly. God forbid it should be otherwise. Amen, if you love her, for the lady is very well worthy. You speak this to fetch me in, my lord? By my troth, I speak my thought. And in faith, my lord, I spoke mine. And by my two faiths and troths, my lord, I spoke mine. That I love her, I feel. That she is worthy, I know. That I neither feel how she should be loved, nor know how she should be worthy. It is the opinion that fire cannot melt out of me. I will die in it at the stake. Thou wast ever an obstinate heretic in the despite of beauty. And never could maintain his part but in the force of his will. That a woman conceived me, I thank her. That she brought me up, I likewise give her most humble thanks. But that I will have a recheat winded in my forehead, or hang my bugle in an invisible baldric, all women shall pardon me, because I will not do them the wrong to mistrust any. I will do myself the right to trust none, and the fine is for the which I may go the finer. I will live a bachelor. I shall see thee ere I die look pale with love. With anger, with sickness, or with hunger, my lord, not with love. Prove that ever I lose more blood with love than I will get again with drinking. Pick out mine eyes with a ballad maker's pen and hang me up at the door of a brothel house for the sign of blind Cupid. Well, if I ever thus doth fall from this face, thou wilt prove a notable argument. Well, if I do, hang me in a bottle like a cat and shoot at me. And he that hits me let him be clapped on the shoulder and called Adam. Well, as time shall try, in time the savage bull doth bear the yoke. The savage bull may. But if ever the sensible Benedict bear it, pluck off the bull's horns and set them in my forehead, and let me be vilely painted, and in such great letters as they write, here is a good horse to hire. Let them signify under my sign, here you may see Benedict the married man. If this should ever happen, thou wouldst be horn mad. Nay, if Cupid have not spent all his quiver in Venice, thou wilt quake from this shortly. I look for an earthquake, too, then. You temporize with the hours. In the meantime, good Signor Benedict, repair to Leonardo's. Commend me to him and tell him I will not fail him at supper, uh, for indeed he hath made great preparation. I have almost matter enough in me for such an embassage, and so... I commit you to the tuition of God. 
from my house if I had it. The, the 6th of July, your loving friend, Benedict. <laughs> Nay, mock not, mock not. The body of your discourse is sometimes guarded with fragments, and the guards are but slightly basted on neither. Ere you flout old ends any further, examine your conscience. And so, I leave you. <laughs> my liege, your highness now may do me good. My love is thine to teach. Teach it but how, and thou shalt see how apt it is to learn any hard lesson that may do thee good. Hath Leonardo any son, my lord? No child but hero. She's his only heir. Dost thou affect her, Claudia? Oh, my lord. When you went onward on this ended action, I looked upon her with a soldier's eye and liked but had a rougher task in hand than to drive liking to the name of love. But now I am returned, and that war thoughts have left their places vacant, and their rooms come thronging soft and delicate desires, all prompting me how fair young hero is, saying I liked her ere I went to wars. Thou will be like a lover presently, and tire the hero with a book of words. If thou dost love Hero, cherish it, and I will break with her and her father, and thou shalt have her. What's not to this end thou's beginning to twist so fine a story? How sweetly you do minister to love that no loves grief by his complexion. But lest my liking might too sudden seem, I would have salved it with a longer treatise. What need the bridge much broader than the flood? The fairest grant is the necessity. Look, what will serve is fit. Tis once thou lovest, and I will fit thee with the remedy. I know we shall be reveling tonight, and I will assume thy part in some disguise, and tell fair hero I am Claudia, and in her bosom I will unclasp my heart, and take her hearing prisoner with the Force, and the strong encounter of my amorous tale. Then, after, to her father I will break. And the conclusion is, she shall be thine. In practice, let us put it pleasantly. How now, brother? Where is my cousin, your son? Hath he provided this music? He is very busy about it. But, brother, I can tell you strange news that you yet dreamt not of. Are they good? Oh, as the event stamps them, but they have a good cover. They show well outward. The prince and Count Claudio, walking in a thick, pleached alley in mine orchard, were thus much overheard by a man of mine. The prince discovered to Claudio that he loved my niece, your daughter, and meant to acknowledge it this night in a dance. And if he found her accordant, he meant to take the present time by the top and instantly break with you of it. Hath the fellow any wit that told you this? A good sharp fellow. I will send for him and question him yourself. No, no. We will hold it as a dream till it appear itself. But I will acquaint my daughter withal, that she may be the better prepared for an answer, if peradventure this be true. Go you and tell her of it. Cousins, you know what you have to do. Oh, I cry you mercy, friend. Go you with me, and I will use your skill. Good cousin, have a care this busy time.
good year, my lord. Why are you thus out of measure sad? There is no measure in the occasion that breeds. Therefore, the sadness is without limit. You should hear a reason. And when I have heard it, what blessing, blessing, blessing brings it? If not a present remedy, at least a patient sufferance. I wonder that thou, being as thou sayest, thou art born under Saturn, goes about to apply a moral medicine to a mortifying mischief. I cannot hide what I am. I must be sad when I have cause, and smile at no man's jests. <laughs> Eat when I have stomach, and wait for no man's leisure. Sleep when I am drowsy, tend on no man's business. Laugh when I am merry, and claw no man in his humor. Yea, but you must not make the full show of this till you may do it without controlment. You have of late stood out against your brother, and he hath ta'en you newly into his grace. Where it is impossible, you should take true root, but by the fair weather that you make yourself. It is needful that you frame the season for your own harvest. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace, and it better fits my blood to be disdained of all than to fashion a carriage to rob love from any. In this, though I cannot be said to be a flattering honest man, it must not be denied, but I am a plain-dealing villain. <laughs> I am trusted with a muzzle and enfranchised with a clog. Therefore, I have decreed not to sing in my cage. If I had a mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. In the meantime, let me be that I am, and seek not to alter me. Can you make no use of your discontent? <laughs> I make all use of it, for I use it only. <laughs> Who comes here? Ooh. What news, Baraccio? I came yonder from a great supper. The prince, your brother, is royally entertained by Leonato. Ooh. And I can give you intelligence oh. of an intended marriage. Will it serve for any model to build mischief on? What is he for a fool that betrothes himself to inquietness? Mary, it is your brother's right hand. <laughs> Who, the most exquisite Claudio? Even he! <laughs> <laughs> A proper squire! And who? And, and who? Which way looks he? Mary, <laughs> on Hero, the Ooh. daughter and heir of Leonardo. Oh, a very forward march chick! How came you to this? Being entertained for a perfumer as I was smoking a musty rib. <laughs> comes me, the prince and Claudio, hand in hand in sad conference. I've whipped me behind the heiress, and there heard it agreed upon that the prince should woo Hero for himself. And, having obtained her, give her to Count Claudio. Huh. 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 Come. Come, let us thither. This may prove food to my displeasure. That young startup had all the glory of my overthrow. If I can cross him anyway, I bless myself every way. 
You are both sure and will assist me. To the death, my lord! <laughs> ah, let us to the great supper! Their cheers, the greater that I am subdued. Oh, but the cook were of my mind. Shall we go prove what's to be done? We'll wait upon your lordship. Was not Count John here at supper? I saw him not. Ugh, how tartly that gentleman looks. I never can see him, but I am heartburned an hour after. Ugh. He is of a very melancholy disposition. He were an excellent man that were made just in the midway between him and Benedict. The one is too like an image and says nothing. The other two, like my lady's eldest son, ever more tattling. Then half Senior Benedict's tongue in Count John's mouth, and half Count John's melancholy in Senior Benedict's face. <laughs> With a good leg and a good foot, uncle, and money enough in his purse. Such a man would win any woman in the world if he could get her goodwill. By my troth, niece, thou will never get thee a husband if thou be so shrewd of thy tongue. <laughs> in faith, she's too cursed. Too cursed is more than cursed. I shall lessen God's sending that way, for it is said God sends a cursed cow short horns, but to a cow too cursed he sends none. So, by being too cursed, God will send you no horns. Just, if he send me no husband. For the which blessing I am at him upon my knees every morning and evening. Lord, I could not endure a husband with a beard on his face. I had rather lie on the woolen. You may light on a husband that hath no beard. <laughs> what should I do with him? Dress him in my apparel and make him my waiting gentlewoman. He that hath a beard is more than a youth, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. And he that is more than a youth is not for me, and he that is less than a man, mm, I am not for him. Therefore, I will even take sixpence in earnest for the bear ward and lead his apes into hell. Well then, go you into hell? No, but to the gate, and there will the devil meet me like an old cuckold with horns on his head and say, Get ye to heaven, Beatrice, get ye to heaven, he has no place for you maids. So deliver I up my apes, and away to St. Peter for the heavens. He shows me where the bachelors sit, and there live we as merry as the day is long. Well, niece, I trust you will be ruled by your father? Yes, Faith. It is my cousin's duty to make curtsy and say, Father, as it please you. But yet, for all that, cousin, let him be a handsome fellow, or else make another curtsy and say, Father, as it please me. Well, niece, I hope to see you one day fitted with a husband. Not till God make men of some other metal than earth. Would it not grieve a woman to be overmastered with a piece of valiant dust? To make an account of her life to a clod of wayward moral? No, uncle, I'll none. Adam's sons are my brethren, and truly I hold it a sin to match my kindred. Daughter, remember what I told you. If the prince do solicit you in that kind, you know your answer. The fault will be in the music, cousin, if you be not wooed in good time. If the prince be too important, tell him there is measure in everything, and so dance out the answer. For, hear me, hero. Wooing, wedding, and repenting is as a scotch jig, a measure, and a syncopace. The first suit is hot and hasty like a scotch jig, and full is fantastical. The wedding, mannerly modest, as a measure, full of state and ancientry. And then comes repentance with his bad legs, falls into the syncopace faster and faster till he sink into his grave. Cousin, you apprehend passing shrewdly. I have a good eye, uncle. I can see a church by daylight. The revelers are entering. Brother, make good room. Lady, will you walk with your friend? So you walk softly and look sweetly and say nothing. 
I am yours for the walk, and especially when I walk away. With me in your company? Let me say so, when I please. And when you please you to say so? When I like your favor. For God defend the loot should be like the case. My visor is Philemon's roof within the house of Jove. Why then? Your visor should be thatched. Speak low if you speak low. Well, I would you did like me. <laughs> so would not I, for your own sake, for I have many ill qualities. Which is one? I say my prayers aloud. I love you the better. The hearers may cry, Amen. God match me with a good dancer. Amen. And God keep him out of my sight when the dance is done. Answer, clerk. No more words. The clerk is answered. I know you well enough. You are Signor Antonio. And a word, I am not. I know you by the waggling of your head. Oh, to tell you the truth, I counterfeit him. You could never do him so ill well, unless you were the very man. Here's his dry hand up and down. You are he, you are he. And a word, I am not. Come, come, do you think I do not know you by your excellent wit? Can virtue hide itself? Go to, mum. You are he. Graces will appear, and there's an end. Will you not tell me who told you so? No, you shall pardon me. Nor will you not tell me who you are. Not now. That I was disdainful and that I had my good wit out of the hundred merry tales. Well, this is Signor Benedict that said so. What's he? I am sure you know him well enough. Uh, not I, who oh, believe me. Did he never make you laugh? I pray you, what is he? Why, he is the prince's jester, a very dull fool. Only his gift is in devising impossible slanders. None but libertines delight in him, and the commendation is not in his wit but in his villainy, for he both pleases men and angers them, and then they laugh at him and beat him. I am sure he is in the fleet. I would he had boarded me. When I know the gentleman, I'll tell him what you say. <gasps> do, do. He'll but break a comparison or two on me, which, peradventure, not marked or not laughed at, strikes him into melancholy, and then there's a partridge wing saved, for the fool will eat no supper that night. We must follow the leaders. In every good thing. Nay, if they lead to any ill, I will leave them at the next turning. Sure, my brother's amorous on hero and hath withdrawn her father to break with him about it. The ladies follow her, but one visor remains. And that is Claudio. I know him by his bearing. Are you not Signor Benedict? You know me well. I am he. Signor, you are very near my brother in his love. He's enamored on hero. I pray you, dissuade him from her. She's no equal for his birth. You may do the part of an honest man in it. How know you he loves her? I heard him swear his affection. 
Uh, so did I too, and he swore mm. he would marry her tonight. Mm -hmm. Come, let us to the banquet. Thus answer I in the name of Benedict, but hear these ill news with the ears of Claudio. Tis certain so. Prince was for himself. Friendship is constant in all other things, save in the office and affairs of love. Therefore, all hearts in love use their own tongues. Let every eye negotiate for itself and trust no agent. For beauty is a witch, against whose charms faith melteth into blood. This is an accident of hourly proof, which I mistrusted not. Farewell, therefore, hero. Count Claudio? Yea, the same. Come, will you go with me? Whither? Even to the next willow about your own business, County. What fashion will you wear the garland of? About your neck like a usurer's chain? Or under your arm like a lieutenant's scarf? You must wear it one way, for the prince hath got your hero. I wish him joy of her. <laughs> Why, that's spoken like an honest rover. So they sell bullocks. But did you think the prince would have served you thus? I pray you leave me. Ho, ho, ho! Now you strike like the blind man. "'Twas the boy that stole your meat, and you'll beat the post." Ugh, if it will not be, I'll leave you." Alas, poor hurt fowl. Now will he creep into sedges? But that my lady Beatrice should know me, and not know me. The prince's fool? Ha! It may be I go under that title, because I am merry. Yay. But so I am apt to do myself wrong. I am not so reputed. It is the base, though, bitter disposition of Beatrice that puts the world into her person, and so gives me out. Well, I'll be revenged as I may. Now, good senior, where's the Count? Did you see him? Troth, my lord, I have played the part of Lady Fame. I found him here as melancholy as a lodge in a warren. I told him, and I think I told him true, that your grace had got the goodwill of this young lady, and I offered him my company to a willow tree, either to make him a garland as being forsaken, or, or to bind him up a rod as being worthy to be whipped. To be whipped? What's his fault? The flat transgression of a schoolboy, who, being overjoyed with finding a bird's nest, shows it his companion, and he steals it. Well, thou make trust a transgression. The transgression is, the st is in the stealer. Yet it had not been amiss the rod had been made, and the garland too. For the garland he might have worn himself, and the rod he might have bestowed on you. Who, as I take it, have stolen the bird's nest. I will but teach them to sing, and restore them to the owner. If their singing answer your saying, by my faith, you say honestly. The Lady Beatrice hath quarrel with you. The gentleman that danced with her told her she is much wronged by you. Oh, she misused me past the endurance of a block. An oak, but with one green leaf on it, would have answered her. My very visor began to assume life and scold with her. She told me, not thinking I'd been myself, that I was the prince's jester. That I was duller than a great thaw. 
huddling jest upon jest with such impossible conveyance upon me that I stood like a man at a mark with a whole army shooting at me. She speaks poniards and every word stabs. If her breath were as terrible as her terminations, there were no living near her. She would infect her the North Star. I would not marry her, though she were endowed with all that Adam had left him before he transgressed. She would have made Hercules have turned spit, yea, and have cleft his club to make the fire too. Come, 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 come. Talk not of her. You shall find her the infernal eight in good apparel. I would to God some scholar would conjure her, for certainly, while she is here, a man may live as quiet in hell as in a sanctuary, and people sin upon purpose because they would go thither. So, indeed, all disquiet, horror, and perturbation follows her. Look, here she comes. Will your grace command me any service to the world's end? I will go on the slightest errand now to the Antipodes that you can devise to send me on. I will fetch you a toothpicker now from the furthest inch of Asia. Uh, bring you the length of Prester John's foot. Fetch you a hair off the great Cham's beard. Do you any embassage to the Pygmies? Hmm? Rather than hold three words conference with this harpy! You have no employment for me? None, but to desire your good company. Oh, God, sir, here's a dish I love not. I cannot endure my lady tongue. Come, lady, come. You have lost the heart of Signor Benedict. Indeed, my lord, he lent it me a while. And I gave him use for it, a double heart for his single one. Marry once before he wanted of me with false dice. Therefore, your grace may well say I have lost it. You have put him down, lady. You have put him down. So I would not he should do me, my lord, lest I should prove the mother of fools. I have brought you Count Claudio, whom you sent me to seek. Why, how now, Count? Wherefore are you sad? Not sad, my lord. How then? Sick? Neither, my lord. <laughs> oh, the Count is neither sad, nor sick, nor merry, nor well. Um, but civil, Count? Seville is an orange and something of that jealous complexion. My <laughs> faith, lady, I think your blazon to be true. Though I'll be sworn, if it be so, his conceit is false. Here, Claudio, I have wounded thy name, and fair hero is one. I have broke with her father, and his good will obtained. Name the day of marriage, and God will give thee joy. <laughs> Count, take of me my daughter, and with her my fortune. His grace has made the match, and in grace say amen to it. Speak, Count, tis your cue. Silence is the perfectest herald of joy. I were but little happy if I could say how much. <laughs> Lady, as you are mine, I am yours. I give away myself for you and dote upon the exchange. Speak, cousin, or if you cannot stop his mouth with a kiss and let him not speak neither. In faith, lady, you have a merry heart. Yea, my lord, I thank it, poor fool, that keeps on the windy side of care. My cousin tells him in his ear that he is in her heart. And so she doth, cousin. Good lord for alliance. Thus goes everyone to the world but I, and I am sunburnt. I may sit in a corner and cry, hi-ho, for a husband. Lady Beatrice, I will get you one. 
I would rather have one of your father's getting. Hath your grace ne'er a brother like you? Your father got excellent husbands if a maid could come by them. Will you have me, lady? Uh, no, my lord. Unless I might have another for working days. Your grace is too costly to wear every day. But I beseech your grace, pardon me. I was born to speak all mirth and no matter. Your silence most offends me, and to be merry best becomes you, for out of question you were born in a merry hour. <laughs> no, sure, my lord, my mother cried. But then there was a star danced, and under that was I born. Cousins, God give you joy. Niece, will you look to those things I told you of? I cry you mercy, uncle. By your grace's pardon. By my troth, a pleasant-spirited lady. There's little of the melancholy element in her, my lord. She is never sad but when she sleeps, and not ever sad then. For I have heard my daughter say she hath often dreamed of unhappiness and waked herself with laughing. She cannot endure to hear tell of a husband. Oh, by no means. She mocks all of her wooers out of suit. She were an excellent wife for Benedict. Lord, my lord, if they were but a week married, they would talk themselves mad. County Claudio, when mean you to go to church? Tomorrow, my lord. Time goes on crutches till love have all his rights. Not till Monday, my dear son, which is hence a just seven night, and a time too brief, too, to have all things answer my mind. Come, you shake the head at so long a breathing, but I warrant thee, Claudio, the time shall not go dully by us. I will, in the interim, undertake one of Hercules' labors, which is to bring Signor Benedict and Lady Beatrice into a mountain of affection, the one with the other. I would fain have it a match, and I doubt but to fashion it. If you three will but minister such assistance as I shall give you direction. <laughs> My lord, I am for you, though it cost me ten nights' watchings. <laughs> and I, my lord... And you too, gentle hero. I will do any modest office, my lord, to help my cousin to a good husband. <laughs> and Benedict is not the unhopefulest husband that I know. Thus far, I can praise him. He is of noble strain, of approved valor, and confirmed honesty. I will teach you how to honor your cousin, that she fall in love with Benedict. And I, with your two helps, will so practice on Benedict that in despite of his quick wit and unqueasy stomach, he shall fall in love with Beatrice. If we can do this, Cupid is no longer an archer. His glory shall be ours. For we are the only love gods. Go in with me, and I will tell you my drift. It is so. Ah, the Count Claudio shall marry the daughter of Leonardo. Yea, my lord, but I can cross it. Any bear, any bar, any cross, any impediment will be medicinable to me. I am sick in displeasure to him, and whatever comes athwart his affection ranges evenly with mine. But how canst thou cross his marriage? Not honestly, my lord, but so covertly that no dishonesty shall appear in me. Show me briefly how. I think I told your lordship a year since how much I am in the favor of Margaret, the waiting gentlewoman to Hero. I remember. 
I can, at any unseasonable instant of the night, appoint her to look out at her lady's chamber window. What life is in that to be the death of this marriage? The poison of that lies in you to temper. Go you to the prince, your brother. Spare not to tell him that he hath wronged his honor in marrying the renowned Claudio, whose estimation you do mightily hold up to a contaminated, stale such a one as Hero. What proof shall I make of that? Proof enough to misuse the prince, to vex Claudio, to undo Hero, and kill Leonardo. Look you for any other issue? Only to despite them. I will endeavor anything. Go then. Find me a meet hour to draw Don Pedro and the Count Claudio alone. Tell them that you know that Hero loves me. Intend a kind of zeal both to the prince and Claudio, as in love of your brother's honor who hath made this match, and his friend's reputation, who is thus like to be cousined with the semblance of a maid that you have discovered thus. They will scarcely believe this without trial. Offer them instances which shall bear no less likelihood than to see me at her chamber window. Hear me call Margaret Hero. Hear Margaret term me Claudio. And bring them to see this the very night before the intended wedding. For in the meantime, I will so fashion the matter that Hero shall be absent, and there shall appear such seeming truth of Hero's disloyalty that jealousy shall be called assurance and all preparation overthrown. <laughs> Grow this to what adverse issue it can. I will put it in practice. Be cunning in the working this, and thy fee is a thousand ducats. Be you constant in the accusation, and my cunning shall not shame me. <laughs> I will presently go learn the day of their marriage. <laughs> Messenger! Sidyar. In my chamber window lies a book. Bring it here. I, I am here already, sir. I know that. But I would have thee hence and here again. I do much wonder that one man seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviors to love, will, after he hath laughed at such shallow follies in others, become the argument of his own scorn by falling in love. And such a man is Claudio. I have known when there was no music with him but the drum and the fife. And now had he rather hear the tabor and the pipe I have known when he would have walked ten mile afoot to see a good armor. And now will he lie ten nights away carving the fashion of a new doublet. He was wont to speak plain and to the purpose, like an honest man and a soldier. And now he is turned ugh, orth orthography. His words are a very fantastical banquet. Just so many strange dishes. May I be so converted and see with these eyes? I cannot tell. I think not. I will not be sworn. But love may transform me to an oyster. But I'll take my oath on it. 
Till he have made an oyster of me, he shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Another is wise, yet I am well. Another virtuous, yet I am well. But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace. Rich shall she be, that's certain. Wise or <laughs> I'll none. Virtuous or I'll never cheapen her. Fair or I'll never look on her. Mild or come not near me. Noble or not I for an angel. Of good discourse, an excellent musician. And her hair shall be of what color it please God. <laughs> the prince and monsieur love. I will hide me. Come, shall we hear this music? <laughs> Yay, my good lord. How still the evening is, is hushed on purpose to grace harmony. See you where Benedict hath hid himself? Oh, very well, my lord. The music ended. We'll fit the cape box with the pennyworth. Come, Balthazar, we will hear that song again. Oh, good, my lord. Tax not so bad a voice to slander music any more than once. It is witness still the excellency of to put a strange face on his own perfection. I pray thee sing and let me woo no more. Because you talk of wooing, I will sing. Since many a wooer doth commence his suit to her he thinks not worthy, yet he woos, yet will he swear he loves. Now pray thee come, or if thou wilt hold longer argument, do it in notes. Note this before my notes. There's not a note of mine that's worth the noting. Why, these are very crochets that he speaks. Notes, notes, forsooth, and nothing. Now divine air, now is his soul ravished. Is it not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies? Well, a horn for my money when all's done. To one thing constant never, then sign not sober, let them go air. Be you blind and bonny, converting all your sounds of woe into hate. Nani, nani, sing no more ditties, sing no more of dumps so dull and heavy. The fraud of men was ever so since summer first was leafy, and sun not so. But let them go and be you blithe and bonny, converting all your sounds all into hate. Nani, nani. <laughs> By my troth, a good song. And an ill singer, my lord. <laughs> no, no, faith. Thou singest well enough for a shift. And he had been a dog that should have howled thus, they would have hanged him. And I pray God his bad voice bode no mischief. I had as leaf had heard the night raven, come what plague could have come after it. Yea, Mary, dost thou hear Balthasar? I pray thee, get us some excellent music, for tomorrow <laughs> night we will have it at the Lady Hero's chamber window. The best I can, my lord. Do so. Farewell. Come here, though, Leonardo. What was it you told me of today that your niece Beatrice was in love with Signor Benedict? Oh, aye. Stock on, stock on. The foul sits. 
I did never think that lady would have loved any man. No, nor I neither, but most wonderful that she should so dote on Signor Benedict, whom she hath in all outward behaviors seen ever to abhor. Is it possible? Sits the wind in that corner? By my troth, my lord, I cannot tell what to think of it, but that she loves him with an enraged affection. It is past the infinite of thought. Maybe she doth but counterfeit. Faith, like enough. Oh, God, counterfeit. There was never counterfeit of passion came so near the life of passion as she discovers it. Why, what effects of passion shows she? Bait the hook well, the fish will bite. What effects, my lord? She will sit you. You heard my daughter tell you how. She did indeed. How, pray you? How? You amaze me. I would have thought her spirit had been invincible against all assaults of affection. I would have sworn it had, my lord, <laughs> especially against Benedict. I should think this is a gull, but that the white-bearded fellow speaks it. Knavery cannot sure hide himself in such reverence. He obtained the infection. Hold it up. Has she made her affection known to Benedict? No, and swear she never will. That's her torment. Tis true indeed. So your daughter says, Shall I, says she, that have so oft encountered him with scorn, write to him that I love him? This says she now when she is beginning to write to him, for she will be up twenty times a night, and there will she sit in her smock till she have writ a sheet of paper. My daughter tells us all. Then down upon her knees she falls, weeps, sobs, beats her heart, tears her hair, prays, curses. Oh, sweet Benedict, God give me patience. <laughs> she doth indeed, my daughter says so, and the ecstasy hath so much overborne her that my daughter is sometimes afeard she will do a desperate outrage to herself. It is very true. <laughs> it were good that Benedict knew of it by some other, if she will not discover it. To what end? She would make but a sport of it and torment the poor lady worse. I pray you, tell Benedict of it, and hear what it will say. Hero thinks surely she will die. For she says she will die if she love her not, and she will die ere she make her love known, and she will die if she woo her, rather than she will bait one breath of her accustomed crossness. <laughs> <laughs> she doth well. If she should make tender of her love, tis very possible he'll scorn it. For the man, as you all know, hath contemptible spirit. <laughs> I love Benedict well. And I wish he could, he would modestly examine himself to see how much he is unworthy so good a lady. If he do not dote on her upon this, I will never trust my expectation. Let there be the same net spread for her. And that must your daughter and her gentlewoman carry. The sport will be, when they hold one an opinion of another's dotage and no such matter, that's the scene I would see, which will be merrily a dumb show. <laughs> Let us send her to call him to dinner. <laughs> this can be no trick. The conference was sadly born. They have the truth of this from Hero. They seem to pity the lady. It seems her affections have their full bent. Love me. Love me. Why, it must be requited. 
I hear how I am censured. They, they say I will bear myself proudly if I perceive the love come from her. They say, too, that she will rather die than give any sign of affection. I did never think to marry. I, I, I must not seem proud. Happy are they that hear their distractions and can put them to mending. They say the lady's fair. Tis truth. I can bear them witness. And virtuous. Tis so. I cannot reprove it. And wise. But for loving me. By my troth, it is no addition to her wit, nor no great argument of her folly, for... For, for I will be horribly in love with her. I may chance have some odd quirks and remnants of wit broken on me because I have railed so long against marriage, but doth not the appetite alter? A man loves the meat in his youth that he cannot endure in his age. Shall quips and sentences and these paper bullets of the brain awe a man from the career of his humor? No, the world must be peopled. When I said I would die a bachelor, I did not think I should live till I were married. Oh, here comes Beatrice. Oh, by this day, she's a fair lady. I do spy some marks of love in her. Against my will, I am sent to bid you come into dinner. Fair Beatrice, I thank you for your pains. I took no more pains for those things than you take pains to thank me. If it had been painful, I would not have come. You take pleasure, then, in the message? <laughs> Yea, just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a doll with all... You have no stomachs in your fare you will. Against my will, I am sent to bid you come in to dinner. Oh, there's double meaning in that. <laughs> I took no more pains for those thanks than you took pains to thank me. Mm, that is, that's as much to say. Any pains that I take for you is as easy as thanks. If I do not take pity of her, I am a villain. If I do not love her... I will go get her picture. Good Margaret, run thee to the parlor. There shalt thou find my cousin Beatrice proposing with the prince and Claudio. Whisper her ear and tell her I and Ursula walk in the orchard, and our whole discourse is all of her. Say that thou overheardst us, and bid her steal into the pleached bower, where honeysuckles ripen by the sun forbid the sun to enter, like favorites made proud by princes that advanced their pride against that power that bred it. There will she hide her to listen our purpose. This is my office. Fare thee well in it and leave us alone. I'll make her come, I warrant you, presently. Now, Ursula, when Beatrice doth come, as we do trace this alley up and down, our talk must only be of Benedict. When I do name him, let it be thy part to praise him more than ever man did merit. The pleasantest angling is to see the fish cut with her golden oars the silver stream and greedily devour the treacherous bait. So angle we for Beatrice, who even now is couched in the woodbine coverture. Fear you not my part of the dialogue. 
Then go we near her, that her ear lose nothing of the false, sweet fate that we lay for it. No, truly, Ursula, she is too disdainful. I know her spirits are as coy and wild as haggards of the rock. But are you sure that Benedict loves Beatrice so entirely? So says the prince and my neutral lord. And did they bid you tell her of it, madame? They did entreat me to acquaint her of it. But I persuaded them, if they loved Benedict, to wish him wrestle with affection and never let Beatrice know of it. Why did you so? Doth not the gentleman deserve as full, as fortunate a bed as ever Beatrice shall couch upon? Oh, God of love! I know he doth deserve as much as may be yielded to a man. But nature never framed a woman's heart of prouder stuff than Beatrice. Disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes, misprising what they look on, and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matters else seems weak. She cannot love, nor take shape, nor project of affection. She is so self-endeared. Sure, I think so. And therefore, certainly, it were not good she knew his love, lest she make sport of it. Why, you speak truth. I never yet saw man how wise, how noble, young, how rarely featured. But she would spell him backward. If fair-faced, she would swear the gentleman should be her sister. <laughs> if black, why, nature drawing of an antique, made a foul blot. If tall, a lance ill-headed. If low, and a gate very vilely cut. If speaking, why, a vein blown with all winds. If silent, why, a block moved with none. So turns she every man the wrong side out, and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth. Oh, sure, sure. Such carping is not commendable. No, not to be so odd and from all fashions as Beatrice is cannot be commendable. <laughs> but who dare tell her so? If I should speak, she would mock me into air. <laughs> Oh, she would laugh me out of myself, press me to death with wit. Therefore, let Benedict, like covered fire, consume away in size, waste inwardly. It were a better death than to die with mocks, which is as bad as die with tickling. Yet tell her of it. Hear what she will say. No. Rather, I will go to Benedict and counsel him to fight against his passion. And truly, I'll devise some honest slanders to stain my cousin with. One doth not know how much an ill word may empoison liking. Oh, do not do your cousin such a wrong. She cannot be so much without true judgment, having so swift and excellent a wit as she is prized to have, as to refuse so rare a gentleman as Signor Benedict. <sighs> he is the only man of Italy. Always expected, my dear Claudio. I pray you, be not angry with me, madam. Speaking my fancy, Signor Benedict, for shape, for bearing, argument, and valor, goes foremost in report through Italy. Indeed, he hath an excellent good name. His excellent did earn it, ere he had it. 
When are you married, madam? Why, every day. Tomorrow. Come, go in. I'll show thee some attires, and have thy counsel, which is best to furnish me tomorrow. She is limed, I warrant you. We have caught her, madam. If it proves so, then loving goes by haps. Some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. <laughs> what fire is in mine ears? Can this be true? Stand I condemned for pride and scorn so much? Contempt, farewell, and maiden pride, adieu, no glory lives behind the back of such. And Benedict, love, on, I will requite thee, taming my wild heart to thy loving hand. If thou dost love, my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in a holy band. For others say thou dost deserve, and I believe it better than reportingly. I do but stay till your marriage be consummate, and then I go toward Aragon. I'll bring you thither, my lord, if you'll vouchsafe me. <clears throat> Nay, that would be as great a soil in the new gloss of your marriage as to show a child's new coat and forbid him to wear it. <laughs> I will only be bold with Benedict for his company. For from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, he is all mirth. He hath twice or... Thrice cut Cupid's bowstring, and the little hangman dare not shoot at him. He hath a heart as sound as a bell, and his tongue is the clapper. For what his heart thinks, his tongue speaks. Gallants, I am not as I have been. I hope you be in love. <laughs> I am it. There is no drop of blood in him to be truly touched by love. If he be sad, he wants money. <laughs> I have the toothache. Draw it. Hang it. Yeah. You must hang it first and draw it afterwards. <sighs> what? Sigh or toothache? <laughs> well, everyone can master a grief, but he that has it. Well, say I, he is in love. There's no appearance of fancy in him. Unless it be a fancy that he hath strange to strange disguises as to be Dutchman today and Frenchman tomorrow, or in the shape of two countries <laughs> at once as German from the face down, all slobs and, uh -huh. and, and Spaniard from the hip hop world, no doubt. <laughs> Unless he have a fancy to this foolery, as it appears he hath, he is no fool for fancy. As you would have it appear, he is. <laughs> Yet is this no charm for the toothache. Old senor, walk aside with me. I have studied eight or nine words to speak to you, which these hobby horses must not hear. For my life to break with him about Beatrice. <laughs> Tis even so. You and Margaret have by this played their parts with Beatrice, and then the two bears will not bite one another when they meet. <laughs> <laughs> My lord and brother, God save you. Good den, brother. If your leisure served, I would speak with you. In private? If it please you. Yet, Count Claudio might hear, for what I would speak of concerns him. What's the matter? Means your lordship to be married tomorrow. You know he does. I know not when he knows what I know. If there be any impediment, I pray you discover it. 
And you may think I love you not. Let that appear hereafter and aim better at me by that I now will manifest. For my brother, I think he holds you well and in dearness of heart hath hoped to effect your ensuing marriage. Surely suit ill-spent and labor ill-bestowed. Why, what's the matter? I came hither to tell you. and Circumstances shortened, for she has been too long a talking of the lady is disloyal. Two? Hero? Even she. Leonardo's hero. Your hero. Every man's hero. Disloyal? The word is too good to paint out her wickedness. I could say she were worse. Think you of a worse title? And I will fit her to it. Wonder not till further warrant. Go but with me tonight. You shall see her chamber window entered, even the night before her wedding day. If you love her then, tomorrow wed her. But it would better fit your honor to change your mind. I will think not it. If you dare not trust that you see, confess not that you know. If you will follow me, I will show you enough. And when you have seen more and heard more, proceed accordingly. If I see anything tonight why I should not marry her tomorrow in the congregation, or I should wed, there will I shame her. And as I would for thee to obtain her, I will join with thee to disgrace her. I, I will disparage her no farther, till you are my witnesses. Bear it coldly but till midnight, and let the issue show itself. Oh. They untowardly turn. Oh, mischief strangely thwarting. Oh, plague right well prevented. So will you say, when you have seen the sequel. Are you good men and true? Yeah, or, or else it were a pity, but they should suffer salvation, body and soul. Nay, that were a punishment too good for them, if they should have any allegiance in them, being chosen for the prince's watch. Well, give them their charge, neighbor Dogberry. First! Who think you the most desertless man to be constable? You oatcake, sir, or George Seacole, for they can write and read. Come hither, neighbor Seacole. God hath blessed you with a good name. To be a well-favored man is the gift of fortune, but to write and read, woo, comes by nature. <laughs> Both which, Master Constable. You have. I knew it would be your answer. Well, for your favor, sir, why give God thanks, and make no boast of it. And for your writing and reading, let that appear when there is no need of such vanity. You are thought here to be the most senseless and fit man for the constable of the watch, therefore bear you the lantern. This is your charge. You shall comprehend all vagrom men. You are to bid any man stand in the prince's name. How if he will not stand? Why then, uh, take no note of him, but let him go. And presently call the rest of the watch together, and thank God... You are rid of a name. If he will not stand when he is bidden, he is none of the prince's subjects. True. And they are to meddle with none but the prince's subjects. You shall also make no noise in the street. For, for the watch to babble and to talk. 
is most tolerable and not to be endured. <laughs> we will rather sleep than talk. We know it belongs to a watch. <sighs> Why, you speak like an ancient and most quiet watchman. For I cannot see how sleeping should offend. <laughs> Only, ooh, have a care that your bills be not stolen. Hmm? Hmm? Well, you are to call at the alehouses and bid those that are drunk get them to bed. Uh, how if they will not? Let them alone, till they are sober. If they make you not then the better answer, you may say, they are not the men you took them for. <laughs> well, sir. <laughs> if you meet a thief, you may suspect him by virtue of your office to be no true man. And for such kind of men, the less you meddle or make with them, the more is for your honesty. If we know him to be a thief, shall we not lay hands on him? Truly, by your office you may. But I think they that touch pitch will be defiled. The most peaceable way for you, if you do take a thief, is to let him show himself what he is and steal out of your company. You have always been called a merciful man, partner. Hmm, truly. I would not hang a dog by my will. Much more a man who hath any honesty in him. If you hear a child cry in the night, you must call the nurse and bid her steal it. How if the nurse be asleep and will not hear her? Why, then, depart in peace and let the child wake her with crying. For the ewe that will not hear her lamb when it bathes will never answer a calf when he bleeds. It is very true. This is the end of the charge. You, constable, are to present the prince's own person. If you meet the prince in the night, you may stay him. Uh, nay, by our lady, uh, that I think it cannot. At five shillings to one aunt with any man that knows the statutes, he may stay him. Uh, marry, not without the prince be willing, for indeed the watch ought to offend no man. And it is an offense to stay a man against his will. Our lady, I, I, I think it be so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, masters, good night. And there be any matter of weight chances, call up me. Keep your fellow's counsel and your own. And good night. Come, neighbor. Well, masters, we hear our charge. Let us go sit here upon the church bench till two. Then all to bed. One word more, honest neighbors. I pray you watch about Signor Leonato's door. Hmm? For the wedding being there tomorrow, there is a great coil tonight. <laughs> Adieu. Be vigilant. Huh? I beseech you. Uh. What corrupt? Here, man, I am at thy elbow. my elbow itched. I thought there would a scab follow. <laughs> <laughs> I will owe thee an answer for that. And now forward with thy tale. Some treason, masters, yet stand close. Therefore, no. I have earned of Don John a thousand ducats. 
Is it possible that any villainy should be so dear? Thou shouldst rather ask if it were possible any villainy should be so rich. <laughs> For when rich villains have need of poor ones, poor ones may make what price they will. I wonder at it. That shows thou art unconfirmed. Thou knowest that the fashion of a doublet or a hat or a cloak is nothing to a man. Yes, it is apparel. I mean the fashion. Yes, the fashion is the fashion. Just, I may as well say the fool's the fool, but seest thou not what a deformed I know that thief deformed. This He's been a vile thief is. this seven year. He goes up and down like a gentleman. I remember his name. Didst thou not hear somebody? No. Twas the vein on the house. Know that I have tonight. Wooed Margaret, the Lady Hero's gentlewoman, by the name of Hero. She leans me out at her mistress' chamber window, bids me a thousand times good night. <laughs> I tell this tale vilely. <clears throat> I should first tell thee how the prince, Claudio, and my master, planted and placed and possessed by my master, Don John, saw afar off in the orchard this amiable encounter. And they thought Margaret was hero? Two of them did, the prince and Claudio, <laughs> but the devil, my master, knew she was Margaret, and partly by his oaths, which first possessed them, partly by the dark night, which did deceive them, but chiefly by my villainy, <laughs> which did confirm any slander that Don John had made, Away went Claudio, enraged, <laughs> swore he would meet her as he was appointed next morning at the temple, and there, before the whole congregation, shame her with what he saw or night, and send her home again without a husband. We charge you, in the prince's name, stand. Call up the right master constable. We have here recovered the most dangerous piece of lechery ever was known in the commonwealth. And one deformed is one of them. I know him and wears a lock. Masters. Masters. You'll be made bring deformed forth, I warrant you. Masters. Never speak. We charge you. Let us obey you to go with us. We are like to prove a goodly commodity being taken up of these men's bills. A commodity in question, I warrant you. Come, we'll obey you. This production stars Jonas Baranca, William Burns, Scott Corey, Nicholas DiPiero, E. James Ford, Julia Hoffman, Michael Thomas Holmes, Gabby Van Horn, Asa James, Scott Kalberer, Lauren Timack, Deborah Offner, Ron Peretti, Kevin Sebastian, Anna Stefanik, and Dana Watkins. We hope you enjoyed this Stand By for Places production. If you want to hear more radio plays, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash standbyforplaces and Instagram at standbyforplacespod.